My name's Rowena, and I look after um, evangelism and discipleship and mission here at St. Saviour's, in case you don't know who I am, because I'm so shy and retiring. Um. <laughs> so, what are we talking about? So, we've been talking about identity theft. And so, the one I've got today is, I am not what I do. Ooh. So, we're not put on here, on earth, to do Rowena's work, or whatever your name is. Obviously, you weren't put on here to do Rowena's work. I read that and thought, why did you write that? It's ridiculous. But we were put on this earth to do the work of Jesus. I'm just going to... And so, in Ephesians 2, verse 10, in my New Living Translation... It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Are you doing that? Wow, you're really awake today. Anyone doing that? Anyone really knowing what their purpose is and what they're doing? Do we know what he met you? Oh, there you go. Thanks. Thanks, babe. One person, the vicar. That's helpful. Do you really know? Do we know what we were made to do? Who he made us to be? The realization that we're not just someone who goes to church once a week. Once a month. We're so much more. We're so much more than that. Is your identity in your job title? Because if it is, what happens if you get signed off, what happens if you get made redundant? What will you do then? That's what happened to me. My whole identity was in, you know, the fact that I had a seriously good job. I, you know, I, I was a director by the time I was about 25. Get in. And I'm a girl. And I earn a lot of money. Didn't know Jesus. But that's what my identity was in. I didn't realize that's what my identity was in until it was taken away from me. And I can still remember that day of being phoned by my boss to be told they'd spent too much money. And as I was one of the more expensive people, and she could, I quote, do my job herself, um, that there was no, they'd have to. She was crying a lot. She didn't want to do this. I didn't really care at that point. I was just told that I was no longer needed. And I can still remember it. I couldn't look at my children. I ran out of the house into the street. I don't know where I thought I was going, but I was just broken. I felt totally discarded and rejected. I've actually, the first thing I felt was ashamed. I don't know why I felt ashamed, but I just felt ashamed. And it was awful. And I was thinking about this when I was thinking to tell you and thinking, did this happen before I knew God? No. This happened not long after I'd given my life to Jesus. I don't know what I thought was going to happen when I gave my life to Jesus. You know, I gave it to him. I'm not sure I actually expected him to do anything with it, but he did. He started getting involved. And it was the beginning of my journey of realizing that I'm not what my job title is. But when removed, I didn't know who I was. So that's not a great place to be in. But I started to learn that we have a unique purpose. God has given us a unique purpose, and it's not in our title. Think about it for a sec. What is the first thing, what's the first question that you ask someone when you meet them? 
what do you do? Don't we? We all do it. We say, what do you do? Hi, I'm Rowena. What do you do? And if we're honest, do you know why we're doing that? It's so we can place them, learn a bit more about them in that one sentence. Are they clever? Are they rich? Are they practical? Are they exciting? You get the picture, don't you? That is why we do it. The clergy version of that is how big is your church? <laughs> it is the question that strikes fear into vicars. I see it on Mrs. and Mr. Vicarage. How big is your church? So they can place you either up and down the candle generally. I don't know what that means, but that's what they talk about. And there is an American pastor called Craig Groeschel. I think that's how you say his name. If it's not, I apologize. And he says there are three areas in which we have lies about our identity, about who we are. And as you listen to these three, see if you can work out which one you are. Okay, the first one is a performance lie. It means our identity wrongly comes from what we've accomplished. You know, I'm the best salesperson, I'm the best teacher, I'm the best parent, said no one ever. I fill in the gap. What's yours? I am the best. Or I have the most awards, the most likes on Facebook. And then you have children. He says, when you have children, if that's where your identity is, it can go really wrong because then your identity switches into their performance. What have they achieved? You know the people. I used to call them alpha mums in the playground. And there's this one woman when we lived in, I won't say where we lived because she ever listens to this, she'll know who she is. There was a lady I used to be, she was perfectly lovely, but I felt inadequate every time I had a conversation with her. She had extremely bright children who could do everything. They were three and five, just to put it out there. Three, they were always eating things like monkfish and hummus and olives and quinoa, which I thought was called quinoa. <laughs> Why spell it quinoa if it's quinoa? It was probably all bought in Waitrose, as I said before. And she politely, because we had a shop, go, what are you having for dinner? And I'd be like, um, and I'd kind of grimace and go, fish fingers. And she'd go, oh, do your children like spinach? And I'd be like, yes, they love spinach. If I chop it up so small, it's naked to the human eye and then cover it in chocolate, they do. Isn't really a lie. But do you know what I mean? You're kind of like, I always felt inadequate around her because it was like a performance thing. And don't even start me on Annabelle Carmel's reading book. Who's done that? I mean, come on. Who has the time? I did it for Woody Man and gave up after about a month. I spent all my evenings boiling up random veg I'd never heard of into little ice cube trays so I could pop out a variety. <laughs> Chill out. This is not what the talk is about just had a flashback I apologize but are you a performance person is your worth related to your performance are you like I got salesperson of the month so I'm brilliant but last month I didn't so I feel a bit of a loser did you push yourself at school to be the best at everything you could be or are you a busy person a busy person who loves to be busy and sees busyness as high performance and your identity is in that that's hard to live up to, isn't it? The second lie is our identity wrongly comes from what we have. I mean, this was me too. I've literally got all three of these, by the way. 
So if any of you are sitting there thinking, oh no, I thought it was me in the first one, now I've got this one as well, don't panic, it's all right. You know, this one could be money, it could be stuff, it could be a great body, that's clearly me. Don't laugh too loud. It could be a great car, it could be your postcode, Sunbury Common versus Lower Sunbury, anybody? What's that about? I'm telling you, I know who'd win in a fight. <laughs> just saying. I've said it again, Lorraine. Just saying. Just count. How many times I say that? No, don't. So were you like me? And the more your salary went up, the more you thought you'd made it. And these lies are really subtle. These identity lies are subtle. They're not always conscious things that we're choosing to do. That's why it's good to know which one we are. So we can work on it. I didn't know which one mine was until it was taken away. It's much better to find out before you get to that point. The third one says our identity wrongly comes from what people, other people, think of us. Wow. That is quite common, that one. Anyone else sitting there thinking, yes, I've got all three as well? Just me, oh, me and I think it's Rani, yes, and Kim. Thank you. This one is super common. And it's actually super dangerous too. And I know this to my cost. People's opinion lately of me has been really harsh and very frequent, and it's hurt me a lot. And so at the same time as that, that it was all the way leading up to Kempton and beyond, God has been shaping and molding me. So if you're having that and that at the same time, He's shaping and molding me to become a more Christ-like disciple of his. And it's not fun. It's, it's not a wonderful experience. But my soul is being grown and brought to life. And my relationship is deepening with him as a result. So it's painful, yet a little bit beautiful at the end. But what this means is, with so many opinions about who I am being shared very directly with me, I very nearly got tipped from listening for God in the words people speak to you into the dangerous area of just accepting other people's words about you as the solid truth. And there's a big, big difference between these two things. And it's very important to, to um, understand the difference. This is what I'm learning. We are called to have people we trust to speak to us to say to us, you know, you might need to work on this a bit in love. We can't only listen to positive feedback because you can just discount the negative. That, that would be a terrible place to be. But that is very different to who you think you are being totally reliant on what other people say you are. Do you see the difference? It's subtle, but very important. I described it terribly to Dan the other day, and yet I'm saying it again out loud, even though I knew at the time it was a terrible description. I'm just unstoppable. It's like, imagine you're on a water slide, you know, like an inflatable water slide, and you're sliding down, and instead at the water, at the bottom is water, it's poo. <laughs> and you're on that slippery slope into a pile of poo. Yeah, I know it's bad, but I couldn't think of another way. You're sliding down. The more you listen to people's opinions and the more poo they throw of their own at you, the more you slide down into it. But listening to Jesus 
And what he thinks of you means you come to the end of that slide and you're washed clean in a beautiful pool of water. His refreshing pool of love and forgiveness and saving grace. And I know it's hard. I really promise you I do. But it's so important that we face this identity theft because that's what it is. It's theft of our true identity. And by facing it and recognizing it for what it is, which is a scheme of the enemy who only comes to steal, rob, and destroy, we can then move into the beautiful reality. That is, we are who we are in Jesus and not what we do. You are who God says you are, not what someone else says you are. You're not what you do or who you were, who someone told you you were. And we have to let that truth settle in our hearts. But how do we do that? Because I want to know how. Do you want to know how? So it's easy to say it, but how do we do it? How do we do that? I can hear in your head saying, but I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been let down. I've been left on my own. I've been cheated on. I've been made redundant. I've lost my family. I've had bereavements. I've lost my home. I've been addicted. I'm still addicted. I've made mistakes. The, the list could just go on for hours. How do we do it? By doing everything we can to let the truth of his word bore down into our very, very soul. Read the Bible as the truth is in there. They're his words for us. In Ephesians 2, it says both God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. And it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Jesus Christ so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. The how is by knowing Psalm 139 off by heart. It's beautiful. By knowing, he says in verse 13 and 14, For you created me, my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. By knowing that he says in verse 16, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In 1 Peter verse 2, 2 verse 9 says, For you are chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out the darkness into his wonderful light. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. 1 John 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And I could go on quoting scripture for like weeks. But to truly know who you are in him, you need to read the truth for yourself. And the truth is in his word. Spend time with him. Learn to hear his voice. And in obedience, trust him that he means you. C.S. Lewis said, I read this this morning. If you look at 100 people who've turned away from the Christian faith, you will find few who have been argued out of it. Rather, you will discover they had drifted away because they did not feed their faith on the word of God. We live dangerously when we neglect the Bible. So trust and believe he means you. It doesn't always instantly drive out the lies we believe about ourselves. I'm not saying that. 
but it makes it harder for, to remember them and to access them because our brain and our heart and our soul are flooded with his loving word. It reminds us of who our true identity and our faith grows under the sound of his voice. Secondly, in the how, what were you put on this earth for? If you know what that is, it will help you because he planned that a long time ago and we can help you with that. Go online and do, if you haven't done my Esther ministry thing, go online and do to christianvocations.org and take the test. It says take the test and it will give you what is God saying your gifts are today as it stands. And I also have homework for you all. Oh goody, I hear you say. This was in my reading the other day. Can you take one and pass one? It's two-sided as well. <laughs> it's a list of questions. And it's questions that help you determine. I don't know the answer to all these questions for me yet. So I'm going to sit down and do it. But it's answer these questions at home. Pray and then try and answer them. And then when you've got your answers, if you want to talk to one of us, come and talk to one of us so we can help you know what to do with these. But apparently, according to old Bobus Gassus that I love on UCB in my little word for the day, these are the questions he says help you find your calling and your assignment from God. So take them home and do them. Finally, the how is understanding that he split the sea so we could walk right through it because we are children of God. Who loves that line in that song? I do. It's just so powerful. He split the sea so we could walk through it. It's choosing to know that he sent his son to die so that we could choose to live and be forgiven. We said yesterday on the Alpha course, there was this brilliant line that I made everybody write down. And it said, if you were the only person on the, in the earth, Jesus still would have died for you on the cross. If you were the only person in the earth, he would have died for you. I wonder how many of us actually believe that. It's choosing to know and trust that we are his children. And just as Guy and Ron talked about, he means you. He means you, he means you, and he means me. So if you don't believe this, if you don't believe that you are a beautiful child of God and you're not what you do, then when we go into a time of prayer ministry, come and get some prayer. Don't just think, oh, I can't do that for whatever reason. I don't feel worthy or it doesn't really mean me. Just come and let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. And as we respond in worship and sing out these words as the truth of our church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we do, just come forward and receive prayer to help you move forward into knowing your true identity is in him as a child of his. Amen.